Hello and welcome to C3 Newcastle City Podcast. It is our honour to host you and trust you will enjoy this message as much as we did. For more information about C3 Newcastle City or to connect with us, visit our website, www.c3nc.com. Right now, give Pastor Gordon a great big welcome as he comes and brings the word tonight. Talking about the Bible, I believe. Great, yeah. We're going to do a whole lot of stuff here, Pastor. Is that right? Yeah, man. You got Look how many Bibles you got. Well, you just wait and see. All right. I'm, in, I'm intrigued. You're, you're all excited? <laughs> cool, I like hey? it. I brought my big Bible. Yeah, I, I noticed you, that. You've you got, got a big Bible. Yeah, I thought I'd just outdo you. I saw your big Bible. Oh, I thought I'm you. just going to outdo thank you. Thank you for tonight. that. That's okay, so, man. Hey, you've got some of your books here. Sorry. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm meant yeah, to be yeah talk old, about them instead I, of me. I, I, yes. Look at it. How many of you are in? Jeez. Well, there's about five or oh, six there. I need bigger hands. This is amazing. Mm. Oh, I like this one. I like this. Yes, Holy Spirit. Oh, that's awesome. I seem to read your books on the plane because you can do it in a flight almost. That's right. You yes. can get blessed in, a, in, a, in, a, in just one flight. So you got Next Level. Yeah, the Level books, they that's go together. Le- that's that one and There's that one. a couple one. of them. That's kind of like Part A oh, that, and Part that one. B. That one was a revelation. Yeah. The Styles thing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yes, Holy Spirit. Yes. Uh, tell your story. This is your most recent one. That's my latest one, How to Tell Your Story. We did a survey in our church a few years ago, and we found that 85, roughly, I can't the exact stat, but it's in those numbers, yeah. 85% of our church not only felt confident in inviting a friend to church or yeah, right. telling them about church, but had done it in the last year. Yeah, but wow. the next question was, the then what question how many would then feel confident to share their faith and, as I call it, close the deal? Huh. You know what I mean? You ever sat with a salesperson and they actually never closed the deal? No. That's, yeah. Yeah. Or you have no, other salesmen. I've been a salesman. I would never. You yeah. close the deal. You've got to close the deal, yeah. right? Or another salesman that tried to sell you or close the deal too early. Oh, I don't like that. So don't like, no one likes that no, person, no, no. okay? That's called Bible bashing. Yeah. Okay. But this one... Especially not with those guys. So it devastated me yeah. because I found out, you know what the result was? What? 25% of our church said they felt confident to share their, their testimony. Whoa, so 85 and 25. And so it was like, no, something's wrong here. No. So people were okay of inviting someone to an event... But most people didn't feel confident in um, sharing their faith. So I wrote that book. Wrote and that in book, that sorry. book... No, I read this one. Yeah, it's how to tell your story, yeah. how to answer questions, um, how to pass the butter. I'll leave that with you. Love it. I should get out of the way. I, I just no, thought, it's great. No, it's awesome. You take them because I, I, I really? won't do it anymore. Yeah. That's a wonderful gift. Thank you. Fantastic. <laughs> well, you can have them if you want. It's all good. Okay, maybe I'll give them away. <laughs> Or keep them. I don't know. <laughs> it's awesome. So we're going to do something different tonight. What I thought we'd do is uh, talk a bit about our theme today, the Word, and then we'll pray for people. Then we'll have like a Holy Spirit thing at the end. I usually pray for people at the beginning, but I thought I'd talk about this because it's your theme, but I thought all the other churches might um, uh, glean from this and learn something from it. So really we're going to talk about tonight in about 15, 20 minutes is um, the reliability of the Bible. This is under attack today. Do you see this? This is called a Bible. 
This is my New Testament. The reason I just carry a New Testament is not, I don't have weird ideas, but um, it's small. Okay, and I can just fit it in my bag. And for preaching as a preacher, the New Testament, you can probably preach on everything, right? It's, it's there. Okay. Um, but um, it's under attack today. As a matter of fact, right now, if, if what you call the new left in the West have their way, this will be banned because it's full of hate speech. Now, we would, shouldn't be surprised about this because China right now is a new move in China to get rid of this. They've started to burn down churches and imprison pastors. Not pastors that are kind of liberal and, you know, and into society and all that, but anyone that preaches this, they're considered dangerous. But hey, that's not a new idea. This is a dangerous book. Once you get a hold of the Word and you begin to live it and believe it and, and it becomes part of you, you're a dangerous person. You can bring a revolution in people's lives. They turn from darkness to light. They turn from sin to righteousness. You be, this Bible teaches me that I can be a successful person. I can actually be a great person. But you see, uh, uh, controlling uh, regimes don't want that. They want you to be a little quiet person that just shuts up, gets through your business, and don't rock the boat. Well, have a guess what? Jesus rocks the boat, right? And this Bible is an incredible Bible. But what I find is in the Christian world, not a lot of people actually know a lot about the Bible. So that can be eroded real quickly, right? Like just the other day, I was watching the news with my lovely wife, and a news reporter quoted the Bible as if they were a theologian. Oh, I was laughing. I found it quite laughable because A... They only quoted half the verse, and then they went on to prove their little wee theory about society based on the error of the Bible. And all they did was pick this little verse here and half a verse, and, the, and it was like, now even news reporters, anchormen and women, are theologians. Go figure. It's an amazing age in which we live. But what that can do is gradually it begins to undermine people's understanding. Well, can I trust the Bible? So, so let, let's unpack this for a minute. A few years ago, my wife and I were on a trip, and we went to Prague. I'd never been to Prague. My first trip in Prague wasn't a nice day. I got sick, and by the time I got to my hotel, they'd given it away to someone else. So I just got in the car, and my wife said, so what are we going to do? I said, we're out of here. This is the truth. It might just show what kind of personality I am. And instead of staying in Prague, we literally drove out. We were in there for about 15 minutes in the beautiful city of Prague. And I drove out. I was so disgusted. I felt a bit crook. And I just drove out. My wife's like, okay, we're not staying in Prague. You know? And so out we went. But a few years later, we went back. And people had told us about Prague. And they said, when you go to Prague, you must go and see the ancient clock. And it's in the center square, in the old center square. And you sit in a cafe opposite in the piazza or the square, and you look across. It's not much wider than this building. And on the other side there, at the back wall, if you like, there's some buildings, and one of the buildings has this incredible clock. And on the hour, when the, the clock strikes the hour, the music of the clock starts up, and doors open, and, and, and soldiers marching, beating drums, and animals. It was quite phenomenal. All handmade, centuries old, and working. Absolutely brilliant. But while I'm waiting for the clock to strike, I'm sitting there having my Vienna coffee with cream on the top. And this beautiful 
uh, dessert thing. I felt I had to eat it because I wanted to be part of the cult, not offend anyone. So I ate it. And, and uh, yeah, you know how it goes. And we were sitting there, but my eyes drifted, and I saw this building next to it, and it looked like a government building. And I found out later it was actually owned by the church. I believe it was like a treasury building. And today it was actually part of the government treasury. But I was struck by the look of this building. The, the roof of it went, or the, the facade went like this, like a roof that jutted out. And in the roof were written two Latin words. Providentia, diligentia, from which we get our two English words, providence and diligence. When you look into the history of the Bible and where it came from, you see these two ideas in the Bible flowing together, the providence of God, the grace of God, and the diligence or the action of people. And that's in everything in our salvation, right? Jesus died on the cross, but if you and I don't diligently believe and follow Jesus, we can't be saved. But, you know, uh, uh, Calvinists say, no, no, it's all of God. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. It takes these two paradigms or paradoxes of the grace and power and providence of God, but the diligence of a little wee person like you and me to believe. And God takes both of those and that's how you're saved, that's how you're healed, that's how you get prosperous, and that's how the Bible came to us, isn't that incredible? So let's go for a walk back in time and have a look where the Bible came from, from these two angles, the providence of God and the diligence of man. So the Bible began to get written centuries before Christ. As a matter of fact, if you put the chart off, I've got a really great chart, and uh, we'll, I'll talk around it, okay? And we'll just unpack it very quickly as it comes up, um, the Bible, and you'll find that, um, how are we going? The next page is another page. So by uh, 285 AD, the Old Testament is basically written as a complete book under the Hebrew scholars, right? So God and his providence kept the Old Testament among a very diligent people. Isn't it amazing? Now, of course, in most of these cases, that diligence became intense and actually cut out other people. And it almost looks like they're doing their own thing. But you see, who knows that all things work together for good and you can't outsmart God because of his providence, and then by 90 AD, after Jesus had ministered and all the apostles had ministered and people like uh, Paul who had written most of the Bible that we know today, the New Testament, and James and Peter and Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, right? These guys had all written 90 AD is a very important day or year. It's the year that John, the last apostle, died. So he's the last to die, 90 AD. What happened by then? Well, by then, all the scriptures as we know it in the New, let's just take the New Testament, was actually written. As a matter of fact, a lot of it had been copied over and over and over again by 90 AD. And the reason that happened was the church grew so quick. You can imagine there were weird stuff, there was weird stuff going on. So the apostles said, we need to get these letters out and correct what's happening and have a standard understanding of our faith as we've received from Jesus, right? That's by 90 AD. By 150 AD, 
the New Testament canon. It's called a canon, not like a gun, but it means a authorized document. A canon was formulated, but it wasn't formulated like this in a book. It was in parchments and lists. And they began to write these lists by 150 AD. Weird got even weirder. You know how people say today, oh, today things are really dark and weird. They were weird by 150 AD. Trust me. That's why the Bible came. God and his providence is providing the word of God for us. Then and by 367 AD, the Bible complete came together. And it was the Old Testament and the New Testament together. And it's called the Bible or the Holy Bible or the Scriptures and at that point, it was written in Greek and Hebrew. The Old Testament was Hebrew, and the New Testament is Greek. Now, under the providence of God, you can say what you like, but the Catholics formed more as a group because of Constantine and formed the Christian nation, which people hemorrhage today over, but let's not go there, it's another subject. But they were Latin, so they wrote their own Bible. So they took the canon written in Hebrew and Greek, and for the first time, they wrote this Bible. Isn't this amazing? So this Bible here is the Catholic Bible, which it is traditionally known. This is the oldest Bible in the world, as far as one. It was only printed a few years ago. That's why it's shiny. I mean, the translation is the oldest. Now kicks in the diligence of men, and diligent Catholics kept this with their life. Many of them were persecuted. They were murdered. They were burnt on piles of the Bible. But they still kept them. Women took Bibles and hid them. Men took Bibles and hid them. And they, they kept and preserved the Bible for centuries. And this is called the Catholic Bible. Then if you follow it down the bottom, well, it's not there, you'll see this Bible goes right through to 1582, and this is the translation. And what they did, they took that Latin Catholic Bible that had been in Latin since 300 or 400 AD through to 1582 or 86, and they wrote this Bible, it's called the Douay Reims. That's because it was written in Reims in Germany. And they translated it into English. And that Bible there is the oldest Bible that you can get. Isn't it amazing? And you have the providence of God to do it, but you have the diligence of men. In other words, men faithfully, women faithfully preserved it, protected it, and kept it pure. I just want you to get that concept in your brain where we're going here. That's the oldest Bible, right. But then, of course, what happened is you have the Reformation. And have a guess what the Reforma the Reformers did. They're really good Christian people, but they hated the Catholics. And they didn't want their Bible to be contaminated with a Catholic Bible. Diligence, right? Diligence, yeah. So what they did was they went right back to the beginning, as far back as they could, and they said, we can never, ever walk around holding a Catholic Bible. No way. So what they did was they produced their own Bible called the Geneva Bible. And this was written, and you can see it there, the Geneva Bible in 1599. 
And this, if you like, is the second oldest Bible, but it's written by a totally different group of people who would have nothing to do with the Catholics, and the Catholics wouldn't have it. They wouldn't give their material, and they wouldn't. So they had to go all the way back. So you'll see the blue lines. I've got blue lines going all back to original copies, originals. And you know what? Even kings got involved and sponsored this. Business people all over the world got in and sponsored us. And have a guess what we've got here. If you like, it's called the Geneva Bible. But if you think in your mind, that first Bible is the Catholic Bible. Now we have the Reformers Bible. But then in 1600, there's another move of God under the providence of God. It's called the Evangelical Revival. It started in Britain between 16 and 1700, and then in the 1700 and 1800, it went to America, and it was the Evangelical. And have a guess what Evangelicals would never do? They would never hold a Catholic Bible, and my God, they would never hold a Reformed Bible. Such error and such bad uh, teaching and doctrine Ichabod, we will write our own Bible. And so what they did was they used a king who was a bit weak and a bit weird, uh, and his name was King James. And King James was a Catholic, and he loved Catholicism, but he hated the Puritans or the Pietists that began the evangelical revival. And they said, whoa, king, we need our own Bible. He said, well, look, I'll give you your Bible as long as I get this and this. And it's called a political deal. This sounds pretty familiar. This is way back in the 50, late 1500s. And of course, what we have is the King James Bible. But of course, it's not the King James Bible. It is, in fact, the Puritan's Bible. Isn't that amazing? And that was printed in 1611. That's when it finally came. I think I was holding up the wrong Bible. Shame on me. Here it is here, the Holy Bible. Now, most of us have Bibles and translations that came from this translation. Did you know that this Bible is the world number seller of all time, and it still is? Give you a little fact. A few years ago, Wikipedia, in its PC wisdom, decided to take the Bible off the list because they said it wasn't a proper book. It was a holy book, a, a religious book. Isn't that amazing? And now some other books, number one. But you know what? this is still the number one seller, the providence of God. So now we have three Bibles. We, we, we have the Catholic Bible, the oldest Bible. We have the Reformers Bible. And now we have the Puritan Bible, who were the beginning of the evangelical move. But then, of course, the move spread to America. Amen? God bless America. And America broke away from the evils and the tyranny of, of Europe at the time. And many escaped religious uh, persecution. And have a guess what they couldn't do? Well, they couldn't use a Catholic Bible or a Reformers Bible or a Puritan's Bible. And so they decided to print their own Bible. And have a guess what they called it? the American Standard Version. It was later revised, and it became the new American Standard Bible. Those are the four main Bible streams. There are many other translations around this, but for time, to get it clear in our mind, basically, where did today's Bible come from? It came from these four in the providence of God and the diligence, if not sometimes the fanaticism of man. Isn't that amazing? 
Now let's talk about the providence of God again. A young shepherd around 1947 is going into a cave to sleep. Just a little shepherd boy. And he goes to lay down and he gets pricked on the backside. Like that. He goes, what's that? And he scuffles around and he finds these pots. And these pots are full of scrolls. And he runs back and tells his dad, and they get the local authorities and the archaeologists coming and have a guess what's discovered. And you can see the top line right from the Old Testament, 285, uh, 285 BC, you find the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now all the, the, there was just a, if you were around at the time, um, you would know that there was great controversy, but many liberals said, ah, we've got them now. This is going to prove that the Bible is inaccurate and you can't trust it. It's been hidden way back around the time, before the time of Christ, it's been hidden until 1947. Just get that in your brain, 1947. Seven. It gets dug out, it gets photographed, it gets read. They get experts, linguistics, and archaeologists from all over the world. And what do they do? They begin to line it up with the Catholic Bible and the Reformers Bible and the Puritan Bible and the New American Bible. And have a guess what they find? They all agree. There, in effect, there's no mistakes. As a matter of fact, these Bibles that were written by different groups all through the history of our world over the last 2,000 years, not agreeing with each other and even hating each other and burning each other's Bibles, the Dead Sea Scrolls come out in 1947. And what do we define? We find the providence of God. They all agree. So if I were tonight, if I had time, we could go to John 3.16. What does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten and believe in him For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and believe in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and believe in him. For God's they all agree. John 1 1, 1 Corinthians 12 12. You you get out the scripture, they all agree. Why? Because man engineered it? No, men were diligent to do what they believed, but the providence of God has given us the word of God today. Come on, let's give God thanks. So tomorrow morning when you hold this Bible and you read it, or you look it up on your device, which is a second best thing, but at least you're doing it, remember this. God has gone to great lengths, cost millions and millions and millions of dollars to get this into our hands. Why? that you might know for sure the faith that you have in Christ. Isn't that amazing? See, God's given us three things. Jesus came and established the gospel, died on the cross, buried, rose again, and he went to heaven and he gave us three things. He sent the Holy Spirit. He sent his word. And he gave us the church. That's really it, really. All, thing, all other things are actually add-ons. They're important, they're part of it. But we've got to realize we've got the Holy Spirit. We're born again, we're filled with God, we're being led by the Spirit. We have the Word in black and white, there it is. And we've got each other, the church. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? Amen, I believe that with all my heart. It says this in the book of Psalms, there's a little word that repeats all the way through the book of Psalms, it says this, Selah, 
think on that. You have not followed cunningly devised fables, but you have followed the eternal written word of God provided to us by his providence and by the diligentia of people who died, many were burnt at the stake, even to be found with a copy. And yet today, we can hold the Bible and be assured of our faith in Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Why don't you bow your heads. Father, thank you for your power, your grace in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you have provided us with a sure foundation, your word that will never pass away, your word that remains true, your word that makes every man a liar, but you are true. Thank you, God, for providing us with a sure foundation that the things we believe, the things that you teach us in the word, will go into eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Do you believe it? Amen. Amen. Let's pray for some people, shall we? Because I know there are needs here. I, I really believe. Let's all stand together, shall we? Thanks, guys. You can just help us here. And uh, just pray for some people. I, wa I want to pray for people that are in pain tonight. If you've got pain in your body, if you have pain uh, either in your muscles, uh, internally you feel pain, we'll pray for you tonight. I want to pray for people. I prayed for quite a few people. It was amazing this morning. We went to Maitland and, you know, it's not a large service, right? It's a preview service series and God's doing great things there. But, you know, I was amazed how many people have this problem. I want to pray for people that have chemical imbalance. We prayed for it the other night, but you might not be here. We're not here on Tuesday night. And I just find so many people are suffering from this low iron, low thyroid, high thyroid. There's something in your, in your physical makeup that's out of balance. And God can come and he can heal you and put that right tonight. I believe God can really touch us, amen. Right in this moment, we're going to believe for divine healing to come and the power of God to come. Then we'll move on and we'll pray for some other things. But um, who, who, who would like prayer for the, any of those things? Pain in your body, you're suffering physically, there could be a, a, a yeah, there's somebody. Anyone else? Yeah, look, just raise your hand if you've got need for prayer. Why don't you slip out of your seats and come? We're going to believe God together that God will touch you, heal you and set you free. Will you pray for them with me, church? Will you help us here? Just if you know someone by name, pray for them. Really believe God. Just turn it into a prayer meeting right now. Come on, let's just all pray together. I want you to lift your hand out to the Lord in this older call. And just say this after me. Say it out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for carrying my sin and my sickness and my pain on the cross. I give you this pain. I give you this sickness. I give you this condition. Carry it from me. Heal me in Jesus' name. Amen. Let the power of God come upon you. Touch you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let the power of God come upon you. There you go. Healing power of God. It finishes tonight. Healing power of God. 
touch this young man. Let the power of God come upon him. on you. There you go. Now, when you go and sit down, don't check out your body. Don't go and sit in the singer. Did that work? When you've got faith, you're not looking to your healing. You're looking to Christ. He's your healer. You can't heal yourself. I can't heal you. So you don't go back even home tonight and go, did it work? What you're doing, faith works. So you just stay in faith. Say, God, I gave it to you tonight. I gave you this thing and now I'm trusting you. And you watch what God does. Healing will come into your body, whether it's today, tomorrow, the next day, whenever God decides, that's up to Him. But you keep in faith, you watch what God does for you. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Or we're going to remain standing, but you can go back to your seats. That's what I mean. Now, I want to pray for business owners. If you own a business here, do we have business owners here? You own a, a business? Come. Yeah, you're, you're, it could be a professional service, it could be product, but you hire staff, you've got a business. Just come on, really want to pray for our business people here uh, tonight. Yeah, you've just been up. Come up for another lot. That's good. That's awesome. You know, one of the greatest things we've got to see uh, here tonight is that you're a minister in the, in the marketplace. Okay? You're not just doing a job. This is your ministry. This is your ministry. Most successful channels used by God and the, in the, throughout the Bible were business people. Do you realize that? Sometimes we get the idea that God just chooses people that are doing nothing. You know, you, you know there's only, I can only think, there's probably two or three, but I can think of one very clearly that was doing nothing, and he caused Jesus a whole lot of problem. You know what his name was? Judas. All the other dudes were business people. They were fishermen. They were Even Jesus was a carpenter. It wasn't like Jesus was born, he waited for God to move. So what are you doing, Jesus? I'm waiting to be ordained as the Messiah. No, no, he was a carpenter. He worked his father's business. History tells us that uh, Jesus' father, earthly father, uh, Joseph, actually passed away. Because you'll notice in the Gospels, he's never there. But his mother and sister and brothers are, right? It's, and in being the oldest son, it seems as though right up into the age of 30, he actually ran the family business. He was actually a carpenter that brought in the income for his family. So what I'm trying to say is, you should never think that there's church and then there's my business or there's prophecy and then my business, but rather we should think that our business that we run is actually our ministry. Isn't that incredible? And I've helped business people all over the world with this idea, this concept. And once we get it, it just revolutionizes the whole thing. Now, there are four gifts that go with business. This is the latest revelation from the doc. Okay, here it is. What are the first three gifts listed in Corinthians? Do you know? They're not prophecy or teaching or healing. They are wisdom, knowledge, and faith. 
I'm going to believe today that all of you are going to get an impartation of wisdom, knowledge, and faith. Who'd like some wisdom in their business? Would you like some knowledge? Okay. Some God knowledge, not just science knowledge, but God. What about faith? Man, do you need faith to believe God for new clients, loans, new properties, new development, right? And then the, the fourth one, which is really important, I love it as a pastor, because one of my business guys, a multi-millionaire, he, he, he was always joking with me. You know, one day he said, come on, Gordon, I'm a York Gipsar. He's And he was sort of calling me out, you know, and he said, you, you preach and you lead. He said, come on, tell me, what are my gifts? And I said, oh, simple, giving. And he, he, he looked at me and I said, and have a guess what my other gift is. And he goes, what's that? I said, spending. See how God's brought us together? You are to earn money and give. And, and I was being, you know, I was letting them. So, see, because that's the higher thing, right? So we don't run businesses that just survive. We want businesses that will thrive. And there'll be plenty for you to live your life and be blessed with your kids and whatever you do. But then you realize, wait a minute, if I've got this resource, then... God wants me to use it for the kingdom. Just if I have my gift and I just used it for me, there's something wrong with that picture, right? I've got to use my gift for others, to bless others. So when you begin to see your business as a, you're a steward of it to bless others, I'll tell you what, this is awesome. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and it was a great encouragement to you. For more information about C3 Newcastle City, visit our website, www.c3nc.com.